Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Live and Learn. We're either up to episode, I don't know, 13 or 14 or 15. I've lost track, but thanks for coming back for another listen. And this week's a really neat one. Uh, It's all about school choice, which is a really popular conversation all over the country at the moment. And here in Kentucky, they passed a charter school bill quite some time ago uh, that still really hasn't taken full shape yet. So we're kind of in the waiting stages here. But school choice is kind of taking over in lots of different states. And so in this episode, I'm talking with Anna Gosman, who is a cutting-edge principal and the, at the Christian Academy of Madison in Madison, Indiana. And her school has been part of school choice pretty much since it first started there in Indiana. So she's going to be talking with me here in an interview in just a moment. But first, COABE is coming. I'll see you in, in Phoenix, those of you who are in adult education. I hope to see you there, uh, I don't know, 10 days or so, which is really exciting. So be sure again that you come see me in the exhibit hall and Monday, session one and session two. Next, I just had the SCR Academy launch party webinar yesterday and it was a resounding success. I was really glad to see so many participants join me in that effort. Uh, If you missed it, on my Twitter is the link to the recorded version of that webcast and you can check that out there. You can always contact me or you can just hop on over to scr.academy yourself and kind of have a look around. So without further ado, here is Anna from the Christian Academy of Madison. Okay, so I am here in the lovely office of Anna Gosman, who is, are you administrator? Is that proper? Of Christian Academy of Madison in Madison, Indiana. And I'm always really excited to come over here, as you know, because I call it the education oasis, because everything here is so um, student-centered and cutting edge and all of that good stuff. And so Anna has been good enough to talk with us today about um, the school choice scholarship and some of the education things going on here in Indiana that is um, really putting education in the hands of the students and their parents as far as um, choices that they get to make based on strengths of students and and their their desires and all of that. So uh, Anna, thank you so much for joining us on Live and Learn. And so first of all, I know in Kentucky, charter schools, for instance, are just starting up and nobody even knows what that means yet. And Indiana's been doing this sort of school choice for years. So what exactly um, is making Indiana cutting edge in education? Sure. Well, first of all, I have to say that no matter where your family is in the educational process the wonderful thing about indiana is that they have the right education for your family whether you would like to homeschool whether you would like to send your child to a private school whether you want to um, attend a public school outside of your own district indiana has made it very easy for families to choose the right school for their child Um, for instance um, there are very few regulations on homeschooling, and when I, when I say that, I say it carefully because that doesn't mean it's a, just a free-for-all, but basically there are no stipulations or challenges to families that they might face to be able to homeschool mm-hmm. other than the 180-day uh, rule for attendance. Okay. 
And as long as you're keeping track of that, they do check to make sure that you are keeping track of that and that you are completing your 180 days, but they don't require you to be a teacher, a t you know, a licensed teacher. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily follow up on your curriculum choices. Um, you can homeschool as you choose. So that's a wonderful thing. As far as private education goes, and we'll talk more about this in a few minutes, I think, um, they have the uh, school, they have several different um, scholarship options, but basically it allows the tax dollars to follow the student to the school of the family's choice. Oh. Um, so I don't know, those of you who have children in private school, you probably have complained, I'm sure at some point, about why am I paying taxes to my public school here in my town if my kid doesn't even go there? I've heard lots of sure. people say oh, that. Yes. But what's happening here is your tax dollars are following your child to the school that you choose. Um, and so it's not about giving the school money, it's about paying for your child's education. Um, and that's the difference there. Um, even within the public school system, it used to be in Indiana that if you decided to go to a school outside of your um, local school district, you had to pay tuition. Now it is um, there. It is tuition free. You can go where you choose. They'll even bus your children to different Fascinating. school districts. Fascinating. And what we're seeing is stu uh, public school districts are competing for students to attend, which obviously increases the um, educational value of various districts and they're trying harder to make their education better because they want to make themselves more marketable. So across the board, um, even the Choice Scholarship, which again we'll talk about in a minute, it reaches into the um, middle to upper middle class, upper middle class, which is very different from Choice programs throughout the country, which are the lowest class usually, mm -hmm. um, which obviously is a positive thing, but this Indiana is reaching way up into the middle class to allow families to choose what they want to do for education. So across the board, Indiana is a great place to be in uh, for families when you're choosing the education of your child. Apparently, because I know, in, I may be wrong, in Kentucky, you don't even have the option to go to a different public school district. I know there were families getting in trouble actually for having post office boxes in a neighboring district and claiming that as an address and right. I mean their children were removed from the district because they did not act, in fact live there so mm -hmm. that's news to me as well. Yes. Interesting. So yeah as you mentioned the, the school choice scholarship um, and I think there's also a tax credit scholarship. Mm -hmm. So would you mind to talk a little bit about both of those and um, either the diff you know similarities, differences, and kind of who, as you mentioned, middle class families are eligible, sure. a little bit more about those. Sure, so there are two different kinds of scholarships in Indiana. One, as I mentioned, is your tax dollars following your child to the school of your choice, and that is the school choice scholarship. Um, and the difference is tax credit scholarship, the schools actually fundraise that money and it is monitored and taken care of by a larger uh, scholarship granting organization, they call them SGOs, and I think there are between five and seven of them that are approved in the state. Um, and other than an administrative fee, you can't choose which child it goes to necessarily, but you can choose which school that it goes to. Now, one of the things about the tax credit scholarship that's nice is uh, there's a benefit for the donor as well as for the child. Hmm. So, for example, if you give, let's just say you want to give $1,000 and you want to give it to Christian Academy of Madison. 
that thousand dollars that you give, not only can you get a 50% tax credit back in state tax credit, so you're getting $500 back oh in state tax credit, but you're also getting an additional 14% back, assuming you're in a particular income bracket, um, in federal tax dollars. So your gift of a thousand dollars is really only costing you just over $350. Now, the school benefits, because they get other than a 10% administrative fee, which goes to the scholarship granting organization, so of that 1000 for example, the school would get $900 of that. So the full, almost the full amount that you gave goes to the school, but then you're getting a benefit as a donor. Um, they do cap that amount, um, and they have, they have been increasing that cap as the years have gone on because of the success of the program. And people are beginning to realize like especially or um, like businessmen and, and people who have a lot of money and they don't want to pay, pay taxes, mm -hmm. they'd rather give it of course. philanthropically. And so they're being able to give to, this is just offering another option of philanthropic giving in education. Why wouldn't you want to give of to course, Yes. And you're getting a kickback on your gift. Um, so people are really eating this up and that, you know, millions of dollars are, are going to private education. Now, once it enters into the school fund, um, the school board or another group that you choose can actually decide in, it is based on income, um, but the income is very high so that the majority of students that attend our school anyway, actually are eligible for this. Mm -hmm. It can also be used in, um, in conjunction with the choice scholarship. So those families who are only getting a partial scholarship because they're higher in their income can tack on to this SGO scholarship, get additional money, and end up having their tuition paid for anyway. Oh my. So we're saying 250%, I believe, of the free and reduced price, which is way, way yes. up into the income bracket. Um, they can get some, if not all, of their gift. Now, the other thing that's nice is the Choice Scholarship requires that students attend one year of public school, mm -hmm. so two full semesters, before they decide to choose a private school. But some families say, well, I, I, I know I don't want my child to go to private to go to go the public school. I really want them to go to the private school. Isn't there a way for me to send them to kindergarten and they can just stay there? Well, there is a loophole, and this is the loophole. You can send a child to kindergarten at a private school. They can receive a minimum of $500 in tax credit scholarship. And because they receive that scholarship in kindergarten, if their family is income eligible, they can then apply for the choice scholarship in first grade. And then as long as their income stays in the bracket, they can literally have first through 12th grade basically all or part mostly paid for. So what I say to parents who are struggling financially is if you can take a little bit of help in kindergarten and do your best to pay for kindergarten tuition minus the minimum of $500, um, and we try to give more if families are, are, are you know need that, um, as long as you can pay for kindergarten, you can basically get a private school education paid for. So does it have to be kindergarten, or can someone enter, let's say, no. first grade? Yes, if they are. As I'm as I'm thinking of moving to yes. Indiana right now. Yes, it, um, as long as they are um, basically a resident of Indiana, and they receive that scholarship their first year. So we have a lot of homeschool families who mm -hmm. come in and do this. So maybe they homeschool through third grade. You know, they decide mm, we really wish we could go to school. They can come in in fourth grade, get the tax credit scholarship, fifth grade and up begin to do that and what a lot of families will do is the other thing you can do another option is if you homeschool using a virtual um, charter school mm -hmm. or a virtual 
public school, either of those methods, um, those count as your two semesters in a public school. So a lot of families will homeschool, say in kindergarten or maybe they're just continuing, do the virtual school for one year and then they can come in and automatically get choice and not have to go through the tax credits. Right, yeah, I so remember. So it provides yeah. options to be able to do that. Um, and like I said, the income level is much higher than most other states, so it allows more families to capitalize on this. It doesn't have to be, a lot of people say, well, it's religiously or, uh, you know, oriented. No, it can, there are a lot of Jewish schools, sure. Catholic schools, Muslim schools, straight private schools with no religious affiliation mm -hmm. that are participating in this. So your choices are broad um, is, in what you choose as long as your income is correct and you right. are a resident of the state. I would imagine that this has been somewhat controversial. Absolutely. Am I correct in that? A lot of people are saying, you know, well, you're taking the cream of the crop kids out of the public school and now they're at your school. Um, what we have found, and now again, we are in a very rural area, it's a very poor area, um, so it may be different, in, especially in big cities like Indianapolis. Um, but for us, what we are finding is that it's not that we're not getting bad kids, that's not the case, but we're getting a lot of kids with um, special needs and that require special services, and they are just capitalizing on the small school environment where they're getting more work right. on attention from the teacher. So for us, it is not the case that we're getting cream of the crop, smartest of the group. Um, you know, we have, a, a, to be honest with you, we have a great public school system where we are in our county. Mm -hmm. And they have lots of opportunities um, for a large school that we might not be able to offer. For So for some kids, it may be beneficial for them to go to the public school. But at the same time, we're finding the kids that struggle with social skills, with academic issues, they are really thriving in our school. Mm -hmm. And so those might be the kids that aren't cream of the crop necessarily, sure. but we are seeing progress, growth, um, that they are thriving and blossoming in our school because we are in a, just that small one-on-one -on -one attention that they get in classrooms that are 10 to 15 students per teacher. Sure. So <laughs> I, would, I would imagine, though, that in um, you becoming a school that accepts the, these various scholarships, is there more control from the, the state as a governing body? How has that kind of changed things sure. here, if at all? Sure. Um, we do have some requirements because they, we are held accountable because we have these students. And if we are going to be accessing um, the, you know, those tax dollars that are following those students, then they do want to make sure that we're providing a, you know, a, the right education for these children. Okay. So first of all, um, we are not required to be a state accredited school as long as we're accredited by one of, and they, they have a list of, I think it's like six to eight accrediting bodies. Now, we were already a state accredited school. Mm -hmm. So really, for us, there wasn't anything very new that we had to do. Mm -hmm. um, they do have stipulations that the law requires, and some of them are kind of silly things. Like, for instance, there has to be a flag in every classroom. Um, we have to have a certain set of books that are patriotic in nature, and there's a whole list of them. Wow. Like we have to have the Mayflower Compact, and we have to have okay. the, um, you know, a copy of the Declaration of Independence, and all of these things have to be in our library, and we have to be able to prove, because they do send people to audits, mm -hmm. sure. um, and you have to prove that you have those documents somewhere in your school that students have access to those. So those are kinds of things that are not silly, 
because I think that's a wonderful thing that they're pushing, you know, citizenship and, and patriotism. I think that's wonderful. But we are held accountable as far as um, state standardized testing. It is required that our students take all state standardized tests. Also, because of those state standardized tests, we do receive a grade in Indiana. Every school receives a grade. You have to maintain a particular level of grade um, for X number of years. And if you fall below that, you have so many years to prove yourself otherwise or else they will take away the scholarship. I see. Mm -hmm. And you will not be able to give that scholarship. And that's a stress, to be honest with you, that I have because um, now that I'm being held accountable in this way and I am also taking in large numbers of students with special needs but they're in a small setting, mm -hmm. mathematically speaking, it doesn't take very many to fail. Right, of course. And so it skews the data, I think, sometimes. And that's a concern I have because, you know, we may get a grade that is a little bit of a concern, but does that mean that students aren't growing here or showing progress? No, they're probably showing more progress than if they were in the public school. Right. It's just that we have, you know, 15 to 20% of our students out of just 140 have special needs. And so statistically speaking, it's going to look like we're not doing very well when really in all honesty, and you can ask, you know, and I'm not just saying this, parents are just thrilled to have their children. Here. Sure, of course. And so, I, but that is a worry that I have as an administrator that, you know, obviously I take accountability very seriously. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to do what's right and, and be a good example to others. And as a faith-based school, obviously I want to do my best for, for God. Um, but I also think that it doesn't, the data alone doesn't always show the picture, the big picture of how students are thriving in the school setting. Which I think is a struggle for any school. Absolutely. And I can imagine Absolutely. even magnified here in a smaller environment, that makes that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I know that a lot of these concerns that you're mentioning is, is what's surfacing in Kentucky as the, the idea of charters comes in. Mm -hmm. What's this going to look like? Is it going to take kids from the public schools? Is it going to um, open them up to the possibility for a, a lower quality of education. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. Indiana sounds like, of course, that they have a lot in place for the school choice, mm -hmm. which is really interesting. We do have a charter school in our county, and I find that um, charter schools in our area anyway, they target specific students. Like the charter school that we have in our county was a school that the public school corporation was closing down. And uh, we had a, a lot of small town elementary schools mm -hmm. and they wanted to consolidate into a larger school setting. And a lot of those smaller towns were really balking at that idea. They loved the small school setting in their community where it's their kids in their town going to their school. And so this particular school um, decided that when the county closed them down, they were going to attempt to become a charter school. Um, and so they hold their uh, charter at Ball State. Oh. Um, and it, you know, they've been open, they opened, I think, a year or two after we did. And I've been very interested in their progress because I feel their pain as a small mm -hmm. school. And we do have differences between a private school and a charter school. Obviously, um, you know, they, they are accountable to Ball State just as much uh, as the state because they are held accountable by the state, but they are not under the same regulations as uh, other public schools. Um, it is uh, tuition free, and so students can go there. And so they actually um, bring a lot of students in uh, from that small rural community that they are from, mm -hmm. um, and they get to stay there, which is wonderful. Um, and so I think it can be a benefit to have charter schools as well. I am all about, you know, I have, 
a child with special needs. What works for one kid may not work for another. Mm -hmm. And so being able to have options of all kinds to meet the needs of individual students, how can you say that it wouldn't benefit a student? And isn't that what education is all about? Benefiting the Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's parents are really probably a driving force behind this work. Is that a part of Indiana's movement in that direction? Was there a lot of parent push? I actually took part in several of the, um, both on the Senate side and on the House side, going and just um, being able to share what the benefits were of being able to have the Choice Scholarship. Because our school opened in 2007, but the Choice Scholarship didn't actually go into law until 2009. So I actually got to take part in representing private schools before the House and the Senate Education Committee. Oh, wonderful. Um, and so not only was I there with other private school educators, which was very positive, but I heard from numerous parents who said, my child is thriving in a private school, or if I could only send them to a private mm-hmm. school. One of the benefits of um, Choice Scholarship is if your child is in an F school, um, you can automatically access the Choice Scholarship through that. Um, so there are different pathways that you can go through. One of the benefits is um, once one child of your family is in, all other children underneath that child are automatically eligible. That's another way to skip the two semesters. I see. Once okay. you get one child in, mm-hmm. all the others are eligible too. So even once you have one child get the, the tax credit scholarship and you apply for the choice the next year, the, the other children follow. So just wonderful program. And, and yes, parents were the driving force because because they want what's best for their course, kids. Yes. Yes, of course. So you said you began accepting the scholarship or eligible for it around 2009, is that right? So what are some positive and negative things that have happened to your school as a result of getting on board with this effort? Sure. One of the things that's interesting about our school is because the Choice Scholarship came so quickly after we started the school, a lot of private schools during that recession time of 2007, 8, 9 were closing. Um, They were financially and also just by the number of students, they were dying. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we were new to the community, and so people were very interested in us. And then the Choice Scholarship came, and we could accept even more students. So we grew in leaps and bounds. Um, You know, we would have, you know, 25, 50 students at the beginning of the school year, literally, that was our entire school. And within just, like, maybe two years of the Choice Scholarship um, coming along the pike, we had... Um, I think close to 150 students. Oh, wow. So, yeah. I mean, we just grew in huge chunks of students mm-hmm. who desired private education. Um, so that was a huge, uh, you know, blessing for us. Our school is much more diverse than it was originally, um, whereas before we were getting kind of the upper middle class, upper class people who could afford our tuition, mm-hmm. which was fine. There's nothing wrong with that, obviously. But those are the only people that could afford to come here. And this is, a, again, a poor rural community. And so now we have more diversity in our economic status of our, our families. We have more diversity in um, the types of students we have as far as racially racial diversity, um, diversity in the special needs. Um, area. So we have anything from a gifted student to a student who is very low academically. Um, but that's okay with us, mm-hmm. and we want those students. They are a benefit and a blessing to our school culture. Um, and so we certainly don't want to, you know, lose those students. Um, and so I think that's been a wonderful thing. Now, one of the negative things, and again, this is as from a private school perspective, um, it's been difficult financially. 
Um, right now, currently this year, we have about 52% of our students that are on the Choice Scholarship. Actually, just talked to a friend of mine who has a private school in Scottsburg, Indiana, so it's about a half an hour from us. Um, I am not lying to you, over 90% of their student body is on the school choice scholarship. Oh, wow. Now, there's a lot of fear that is tied to that because what if the law changes or goes away? Mm -hmm. That's, you know, schools are really nervous that they're going to have to shut down um, because we're going to lose all of our students who can't afford our tuition right. normally. Um, so that's a concern. A lot of private schools have had to cap the percentage of students that they'll accept. I see. Um, we have not currently capped. Um, and as far as this, the financial status, uh, the economic status of our county, it probably matches to what Scott County is. Scott County is the, um, the lowest economically in the state. Uh, Jefferson County is low, but we're not as low mm -hmm. as Scott County. So that probably makes sense why they have such a high percentage. Um, but along with that, because the money is coming from the state, just like a public school, we only get our payment from the state twice a year. Mm -hmm. So we will get a huge payment um, you know, in, at the end of October and at the end of March. But as that money begins to dwindle down, you know, that, that's a problem. Feast or famine. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, you know, I always tell my teachers, I'm like, do not ask for anything mm -hmm. until we get our next check from the state. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, a, that's an issue. The other thing is, is that we find that families who receive the Choice Scholarship, because they don't have any buy-in, um, as far like why do they care how much tuition costs mm -hmm. because it's going to be paid yes. for so we find that they don't want to fundraise for us to to keep the tuition cost low mm -hmm. they don't see a need for that because they have, don't care um, parent participation those families do not participate because they they have different uh, values I guess or they just don't really care as much about the school as a whole they just want their kid in the school Right. Um, and so that's been kind of disappointing, um, especially families who have been at our school for a long time and because they have then received the tax credit scholarship, then received the choice scholarship, so they've gone through those loopholes, mm -hmm. they suddenly stop fundraising oh. the year they receive the choice scholarship. And I find that very interesting and disappointing all at once. Um, so that's been kind of a negative thing, I think. You know, you have the same families doing the same fundraising for the same thing, and it's the families that care how mm -hmm. much the tuition costs. And that's sad for them because they get burned out of right. having to bear the burden of that for all of those other families. And it causes some resentment, sure. honestly. Um, you know, they will, I, I have heard parents say things like, well, is that a choice kid? Uh, which, obviously, I have a problem with that. But at the same time, um, there are some differences in the way the families, uh, you know, come to the school and see the school. Mm -hmm. they, they just have some different feelings about it, and I think parents recognize that. I can see where that would certainly be frustrating, to, mm -hmm. say, to say the least. All right, so I guess to kind of wrap us up, maybe my last question would be, for those of us who don't have the pleasure of living in Indiana and having these choices, um, What's what's a tip you could give that could maybe at least give some sort of empowerment to parents to seek out the best for their kids as far as education goes? Well, several different things. I think one thing is to pay attention to your legislature because what I am seeing is that a lot of states who don't want to go for the option of the choice, which I you know I, I understand is controversial, a lot of those states are opting for the tax credit okay. scholarship option. So there are many more states that have that option than do have the choice scholarship option. Um, so certainly pay attention to your legislature because even that can be beneficial. Uh, different states have different policies mm -hmm. um, and laws in the way they enact a tax credit scholarship. So it is important to have even that is, a, is an, a 
piece of choice. Mm -hmm. So certainly you can pay attention to your legislature. I think the other thing is just advocating for your family um, and for your individual child. And it doesn't matter where your child goes to school, you are the voice that, that is there to speak on their behalf. And so um, that doesn't mean you fight everything, but at the same time, pay attention to what's going on in your child's classroom and in your child's school. Notice what's happening um, in the educational world with standardized testing and curriculum changes. And don't just sit by and passively let everyone teach your child without you having any input. Um, you know, certainly it's important for you to have a, a voice, you know, in your school board meetings, in your PTF meetings, in your child's classroom participate in the educational mm -hmm. process the way you should. Um, and also just having a voice for your individual child and making sure that your child's needs are being met academically and socially and um, you know all of those things because every child is different in what they need. And so making sure that you are an advocate for your child and teach them to be an advocate for themselves as they get older. No matter where your child goes to school, that's, that's so important. Um, so definitely, there. You know, I, I believe personally that it is the parent's responsibility first mm -hmm. before it is the school's responsibility. I always tell families, we are here to support you as you choose to raise your child the way you see is best. Um, and so for us in a private school and especially in a faith-based school, even, I mean, we have over 50 churches represented at our school. Oh, and so even you know, religiously, there are many differences, but we aren't here to usurp what a family is in place to do. Mm -hmm. We are here to stand alongside them, to support them as they raise their child. Um, and I think that also means on the other side that they need to step up and take responsibility to advocate for their child. And that goes no matter where your child goes to school. That is, that's the number one thing that you can do. Absolutely, and I think that it's it's important as an administrator to hear you say that because I think parents are, are hesitant. You know, not everybody has the education background to, to know what should be going on with their students and with their children, um, and they don't want to, to to bother anyone. And I think it, it's really good to hear that that's, of course, not the case. That I know teachers would love more parent involvement. Absolutely. So I think that is starting with the school is probably a really good mm -hmm. idea. Well, thank you so much again for speaking with me today. I've, awesome. I've learned a lot, and again, I'm going to have to figure out how to move over to Indiana. So <laughs> um, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And again, a big thank you to Anna Gosman for spending some time with us here on Live and Learn. And also thank you for hanging in there with the sketchy audio. That's part of being in a school environment is background noise and lots of action. So thanks for hanging in there with that as well. And until next time, as always, stay curious.